In this episode of the Amini Corp podcast, we talk about the news of the day, Joe Rogan's deal with Spotify, how mystery condition of the coronavirus is getting worse for some folks, and why President Trump is surely going to win. This and so much more. Good morning, planet Earth. Today is Monday, November 2nd, 2020, and it is 24 hours until the world changes forever. Let's get into the news, shall we? Front cover of the Wall Street Journal, two pictures stacked on top of each other. One of the a Biden campaign event and one of a Trump event. And if you... Here's what's going to happen. Trump's going to win. All majority of indicators suggest it'll be an overwhelming victory for Trump. And just looking at these two pictures, you see it clear as day. One has barely anyone there. The other is packed to the gills with people. I mean, as far as the eye can see. And what we're going to see from all of this is the fact that the media is over. The I'm a I'm a media analyst. I'm a social media expert. I know where the market is going in in the most macro sense of it, right? I don't know. I can't predict minor details, but I know where things are headed. There's a new economy forming, self-actualization, mass um, in intrastate uh, demographic shifts. Like these are huge colossal shifts that I'm taking advantage of, and everybody else should too to capitalize and provide services around. And the problem here is that the polls and the media, as in corporate broadcast media, are all saying Trump's going to lose. When no one in their right mind can look at the total set of data, the entire data set, and come to that same conclusion. It's unbelievable. Oh, RIP Sean Connery died at age 90 surprisingly avoided the Me Too wave. I'm shocked. I assume the man was feisty, but who am I to say? Airlines try two for one to attract customers. That's interesting. As long as I don't have to share a seat with someone who's spilling over into my seat, I'm okay. There's something about being stuck in a small space already, especially if I'm on the right side next to the window. And then someone else's arm is touching mine all the way from my shoulder down to my, like, forehand or uh, forehand, I guess, or wrist. It is extremely claustrophobic. That's, I have to drink to avoid, I just have a constant state of panic. I I can't handle it. It's kind of crazy because I'm not one for being claustrophobic, I guess, but. Doctors tackle mystery of COVID long haulers. Oh, God. Could you imagine? Fatigue, memory lapses, heart problems affect those who aren't that badly hit initially. What is going on? What kind of virus is this? What is going on? Can you believe this is what we have to live with? Unfucking believable. Businesses. 
Business for many companies rebound faster than expected after the virus-related shock this spring, but corporate leaders are warning the bounce back wasn't uniform and may prove fleeting as infections surge again. Airlines are resorting to giving away seats as they navigate the pandemic-inspired collapse. Stone Peak Infrastructure said it's buying Ostbound Broadband for $3.6 billion. Investors are heading into what could be the most volatile week for markets all year. Yeah, this is going to be crazy. I don't participate in the stock market, but that's going to be crazy. Amazon is off to a slow start in its latest effort to woo luxury goods on its platform. Yeah, let's talk about why that's obvious. New rules restricting skilled foreign workers are unnerving U.S. startup hubs, as founders and investors say the curbs will hamstring their ability to recruit top-tier talent. Let's talk about that. Trump is framing worldwide news. Trump is framing the 2020 presidential race as a choice between two candidates, while Biden wants to keep it as a referendum on the incumbent's leadership. Trump trails by 10 percentage points among voters nationally. Facing, give me a break. Give me a break. The amount of parades this guy is getting all over the news and the amount of people at his rallies and the amount of people in my personal circle that I would have never in a million years thought would be voting Trump, but are doing so reluctantly. It doesn't make sense. I don't buy it. Polls can be wrong. People don't want to admit that they're voting for Trump. It was bad enough in 2016 when you seem like <laughs> the good old days, when you just seem like a mild racist for voting for Trump. Now you get shot in the chest twice in the middle of the street. So nobody wants to admit it unless they're... Uh, in Trump country, it seems like. Political groups are getting around Facebook's system for blocking false political advertising by reposting ads found to violate its policy, exposing a loophole. The Pentagon has quietly begun withdrawing top military officers from U.S. embassies in Africa and downgrading other such posts worldwide. Interesting. The ranks of caregivers at dozens of U.S. nursing homes plunged to dangerously low levels in some of the deadliest days of the pandemic. Interesting. Johnson announced a nationwide lockdown in England, the latest move in whitening European efforts to con contain the coronavirus resurgence. Died Sean Connery, 90, the essential James Bond. I mean, really was. And what a, what a day for news. Let's get into it. So interesting, minimum wage of $15 in Florida is on the ballot. Everyone calls Florida a, a Republican shithole of the... the, the Dingleberry of America, but look at that. You know, I don't say that, but people say that. $15 minimum wage. Very interesting for a for look, the Trump's Trump's country. Churches strain to get out the vote. Fed digs deeper into its toolbox, finds no tools left. The Fed has less room to push down yields by purchasing treasuries which it is buying in large quantities, but it could hold yields down by shifting the composition of its purchases to longer dated securities. What a nightmare that is. The Federal Reserve, listen, I'm not an expert in everything, okay, folks, just a couple things I'm an expert in, but I mean, the amount of money that's been pumped out into the US, into the global economy has clearly watered down the uh, average person's ability to earn a living. You know, wages have remained stagnant and cost of living has increased. I don't think wages have even kept up with inflation, barely, if anything, for the last 30 years. I remember a few years ago, 
uh, it was the first time that that generation of wage earners were making less money than their parents, which is incredible. And did you know, are you sitting down? Are you wearing male or adult diapers? Because you're going to need them in a second. Did you know that the average American in 1960 made how much? 13 and a half grand a year, something like that. Adjusted for inflation and cost of living, etc. In 2020 numbers, that's a hundred grand. The average person in America was making a hundred grand effectively in 1960. Wow! Now, I think average household income is like 75. Median income can be 55, 65, something like that. It's unbelievable. And you can, and then costs have gone up, and there's more crap to buy. Your kids are getting the same ads as rich kids are, and they have to buy the same crap that they have to buy. Mississippi is trying to get a new flag. Biden leads Trump by 10 points in poll. I don't buy it. With broad approval of his management of the economy, a new Wall Street Journal NBC News poll finds. Uh huh. Let's see. The Wall Street Journal, this is like a box of, of data in here. Let's get into it a little bit. The Wall Street Journal NBC News poll was based on nationwide telephone interviews of 1,000 registered voters. It was conducted October 29th to the 31st. So, two days, 29, 30, 33 days, 1,000 old people. 1,000 people with depression, schizophrenia, and anyone else that will actually pick up a phone that has a telephone in their house. Conducted by public opinion strategies. What is it? Organizations of Mick Bill, Mick Interf of Public Opinion Strategies, and Jeff Horwitz of Heart Research Associates. Sample was drawn in the following manner. Individuals were randomly selected from national lists of registered voters and were chosen by systemic procedure to provide a balance of respondents by sex. Respondents reached on their cell phone, randomly selected from national lists of cell phone numbers. Who in their God's mind, who picks up these phones? Who? Who would ever, who would ever tell a stranger who they're voting for in 2020? What kind of lunatic? And no Trump supporter would. Because now, you don't know who this person is. They're saying they're from someone. They could literally be putting you on a target list to get harassed. I mean, this isn't a joke. People show up to people's homes right now and protest them to get them canceled all the time. Respond, and if you have someone's cell phone number, you can make their life a living hell. Of the thousand interviewers in the weighted data, 590 respondents were reached on a cell phone and screened to ensure their cell phone was the only phone they had. Inter what? Interviews were conducted in English and Spanish. The margin of error is plus or minus three percentage points. Okay. In addition to the thousand voters in the national sample, 539 interviews were conducted in battleground states to create a sample. No, 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 no. This is telephone polling is broken. Because nobody answers the telephone anymore. Nobody. Nobody I know picks up, who's busy anyway, that picks up the cell phone from an unidentified number. It just, like, doesn't happen. Especially if you have too many inbound requests, you don't do it. Sorry, skewed. Vote count may take days in key state. Pennsylvania's chief election official warned voters that the outcome of the presidential race in the state likely wouldn't be known on election night and said her office is in touch with the National Guard to prepare for any potential security concerns. Civil War 2.0. This is insane. Everybody knows it's coming. Nobody can stop it. People are boarding up their windows 
in key retail sectors across corridors across the U.S. right now. Rodeo Drive, Michigan Avenue, you know, so on and so forth, and D.C., everywhere. And it's not Trump supporters people are worried about, right? Not a lot of Trump supporters looting and rioting. I haven't seen any MAGA hats burning cop cars. Just my anecdotal observation. Parties grid for court fights in battle. Yeah. Millions of mailed ballots are still out. Unsettling. Political groups skirt Facebook ban. La duh. Staff shortages plagued nursing homes. You don't pay these Jamaican people and Haitian folks enough to take care of your family that you've abandoned, by the way. <laughs> you've shoved into some closet with good cable TV to watch them while being surrounded by people that are carriers of this new infectious disease amongst the highest risk population group. Like, of course, who's going to die for someone else's grandparent that they don't even love enough to keep in their home? Like this whole American shove them in a nursing home while slightly, uh, slightly uh, honorable. <laughs> honorable but i am i amend their i i applaud their uh willingness to uh not deal with their horrifying and toxic parents so they com condemnable commendable condemnable and commendable very similar but odd uh, different words um this is a problem this is not a healthy society where we shove all our parents into nursing homes and here on the cover Life Care Center of Neshoba Valley, Massachusetts, in Littleton, Massachusetts, is a picture of a feeble outline, a silhouette, like on the top of the logo, on top of the sign, is a giant logo, about the same height as the sign, of a feeble silhouette of a feeble person in a wheelchair with a caregiver above their above them, handing them down something that may may be medicine, it may be a syringe they're forced to take. It may be a flower. We're not sure, you know. And how good is the food in these places? Like, give me a break. Move them into your house. How is the country that that invented the McMansion not have enough room for their grandparents in the house? What is going on? Dakotas, once a haven, now see infections surge. South Dakota and North Dakota have seen weekly new cases per 100,000 people have surpassed New York peak and Florida peak. Here's what I think is going on, all right? Again, I'm not a, I happen to be a deadly infectious disease expert. I'm, I'm not humble. Um, the point is though, in New York and Florida, everywhere else, people got the actual virus during the first real wave. The second wave is from young people that are protesting during the summer and from expanded testing from what I gather. And with this 128 increase in cycles from the testing, all these new infections are showing a large percentage of false positives because we're finding bits of um, dead virus. And so cases is not the right word here. 
I think it might even be medically inaccurate because I don't know if a di- I don't know if without getting a diagnosis from a hospital from a medical doctor can you be diagnosed with something and thus have a case. These are false. Uh, these are positive tests of the virus. These are like these are these aren't people who are sick. These are people that have virus in their blood, and a lot of those seem to have dead virus pieces in their blood. So. You know, obviously it's a real virus, but like, can we tone it down a little bit? And I was, listen, folks, I was there. I was, I was at the, the front of the helm, ready to uh, do whatever was necessary to keep, get this under control. And then the data started coming in and getting better and better, uh, more accurate, more accurate understanding of how bad this virus is. And it's not that bad compared to where we thought it was when we all agreed on the lockdowns initially. Everybody said, yes, let's do it. It's an obvious choice. There you go. Stricter lockdowns reimposed in Europe. Europe supposedly did everything right. Social distancing, draconian lockdowns, stay-at-home orders, everything, right? 80% of your pay through the in the UK through... Um, uh, you know, the, their version of unemployment. And yet the lockdowns didn't work. Huh? Whoa. Ain't that something? Maybe they're not the right policy. Huh? Whoa. How bizarre. Meanwhile, Sweden is like done with it. They had no lockdown orders in, you know, cold country, different geography. I understand. No mask mandates. Their case, they have no second surge. So maybe, are we allowed to disagree with lockdowns? Like as a society, are we allowed to disagree with government edicts? I think we are, especially in America. Drug cartels fill breach in Colombia. Now this is terrifying. This is very terrifying. Munch. Munchique, Colombia. The gunmen burst in without warning, tossing grenades and letting loose a volley of fire that killed six young men in an abandoned house that served as a cockfighting ring. Days after the late September attack, townspeople in this remote hamlet, stricken by rising violence, marched along a rutted road past the house where their neighbors had died, waving signs and demanding, we want life. This is a war here, but we don't know why, said Samir Balanta, whose brother died in the shooting. I keep asking why. I'll tell you why. Because we in America love your cocaine extract, your coquina plant leaf extract. And we do it a lot in rich, affluent cities and suburbs. And we don't care, it seems like, at the human cost of collecting that stupid little powder that gives you a jolt like a cup of coffee does. I mean, if your life is exciting at all, cocaine doesn't do anything for you, right? Like, it really doesn't. And with cannabis being 30% THC now, which is insane, probably three times as much as it should be anyway, you don't need this kind of stuff. But because we're sad and lonely in America, your kids died. Sorry. While Colombia as a whole is ever more peaceful, a surge of bloodshed in rural regions, including a string of mass killings and selective assassinations, is shaking a country that had hoped a peace pact with Marxist rebels. Huh. Marxist rebels would end a cycle of violence dating back to the 1950s. Instead, the 2016 accord that disarmed 13,000 Marxist rebels, rebels from once powerful revolutionary armed forces of Colombia or FARC, left a void in communities like Munchique, 
that powerfully armed drug trafficking organizations have filled. These groups have killed hundreds of people in the past four years, settling scores and targeting those who challenged their activities. The problem in deactivating the FARC is that they had control over many regions, said General Marco Mayorga, who commands army forces in the region and went from battling the FARC to fighting the group's successors. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, the Coca-Cola company is the world's largest manufacturer of pure cocaine and sells it to hospitals for local anesthetic. I mean, what do you do here, right? You get a gun in this country and protect your family. You move. You run for office and get assassinated. What do you do? Honestly, you just grow it and, and work with them. Then another, then you're on one side and another faction wants to take territory. Now you're the enemy. You don't stay out of it because they're going to a stray bullet. They're just running into rooms, throwing grenades in like it's a... Uh, action movie. I mean, my God. COVID's long-term effects. Oh, coping with Tuesday. Oh, this was cute. Anxious about election day? So is everybody else. Americans plan strategies to cope with Tuesday. Sorting Legos, setting sail. Oh my God. That is the most Wall Street Journal thing. Nobody's setting sail. I hope they mean it figuratively. Some have already made their coping plans. Sarah and Ken Iken expect to board their 40-foot island packet yacht in Annapolis. No phones, no television, no political discussions. No way. <laughs> oh, this is crazy. Persistent multi-front attack. Test, taste and smell. It can take weeks or months to regain the sense of smell and taste. Lungs, persistent shortness of breath. Digestive system, abdominal pain and diarrhea for weeks or months. Nervous system, issues with concentration and memory, sometimes referred to as brain fog. Oh, cognitive problems are among the most common symptoms. Jesus Christ. Cardiovascular system, racing heartbeat or tachycardia, as well as extreme blood pressure exchanges. Musculoskeletal system, mild to severe muscle and joint aches or pain. Persistent fatigue weeks or months after coming down with COVID-19. Good googly moogly. Give me the give me that Bill Gates vaccine. That is insane, man. Oh. Oh. Quick prayer to anybody that has this disease. Oh, or anyone who got it. Alright. The new rules for networking. This is a good one. I'm gonna take a picture of this and post it somewhere. Sorry, Wall Street Journal. Um, it's a, it should be an HD photo, so you should be able to read it. As COVID-19 derails in-person meetings, career experts advise on virtual tactics for schmoozing. Yeah, I got to tell you, folks, I'm an expert boozer and schmoozer. You put me in a room to network, I will, I will work that room. I just love it. I just love it, and I find interesting things about people, and it's just wonderful. And you get a couple of beers in you, and you start making jokes. It's all good, baby. Let's all make my Hey, liberals and conservatives are spenders, right? That's half, they're each like half the economy, roughly a third maybe. And a third are um, milk toast libertarians. <laughs> I'm just kidding, y'all. But... Like, we all need to work together here. We all, you know, union through commerce. 
we need to trade ideas and goods and and uh, work off each other's strengths and avoid each other's weaknesses. You know, liberals seem to be really good at identifying problems, but they won't shut up about their insane, backwards, crazy, non-realistic solutions. Conservatives are really good at fixing problems realistically, but they won't admit that there are problems because they're living in their own like fantasy world, you know, their own little bubbles. And they're like, they're, they're, they're all living in the woods alone. Like they don't talk to other people. So they don't actually know what is going on in these cities that are generating, you know, half of the GDP or so of the country, you know? And I think liberals are very good. They have a um, ability to let in new ideas into the tribe, new people, new goods. And that's great because it grows the genomic uh, pool of the the gene pool diversity of the, the genomic diversity of the gene pool I guess diversity of the gene pool of the tribe brings in new ideas which lead to innovations brings in new goods which you know is like technology you know leads to technologies and and efficiencies and work and work and they're very collaborative they love sharing ideas and pitching each other and chitter chatter conservatives you know they don't let in new ideas, new people, and new things. And you might think that's awful, but that's how diseases come into tribes. That's how your tribe is run over by another warring tribe. And that's how uh, your um, genomic, your, your, your gene pool gets watered down into non-existence, right? So if one side... It is if either side is too strong, if you will, then you know the liberals let in too much stuff. You eventually get invaded or you get a virus, right? Something happens and it goes crazy. If the other side, if the conservatives are have too much power, then you dwindle from within because you have no new things being born, no new ideas coming in. You don't let in new technologies that you could be using, right? And your gene pool dwindles. Uh, from lack of diversity. So like everything in nature that's composed of cells, they all have membranes that are semi-permeable. They let in the good stuff, they keep out the bad stuff. Like, hello, this is how it goes. And that's what you need. Homeostasis, balance. You will always have liberals, you will always have conservatives. It's like a evolutionary trick that I think is occurring at the like so social level. You have a hundred people left on the planet. Half of them will become liberal. Half of them becomes conservative. And they've shown it's like genetic too. You're kind of born into where you are politically. Like you're not changing people's minds because it's in their brain to think this way and feel this way about the world. So get over it. Work together like adults. Resources for job seekers rise in the COVID era. Yeah, this is interesting. I was just thinking about repositioning one of my companies today, yesterday, as a vertically integrated job placement firm, recruitment firm. We'll see. I'm going to talk to someone to see if they would partner with me on that. How to turn a crisis into a catalyst. 42-year-old head of, what is it? Focus Brands. Cool interview here.
narrow your focus to the most important priorities. Enlist managers in creating a flexible culture. Use technology and real estate to serve customers. Institute a no meetings block during the world work week. When the pandemic hit, focus brands worked on keeping employees safe and protecting cash. Expand your network to recruit diverse candidates. It is really about your network, folks. And for people that don't know how to network, don't ever assume the person that you're meeting can give you anything. In fact, avoid asking for anything. And what you really want is access to their network. Because think about it, the odds of someone in front of you, you got a networking meeting, you meet someone, oh, they're whatever, you know, you hit it off or there's just some connection there. The odds of them being able to help you make money, whatever, let's just say make money in any way, is almost zero, right? The odds that they're ready to buy whatever it is that you're selling at that time is almost zero. However, the odds of them knowing somebody in their network that's in the ready to buy is almost certain because most people have hundreds of people in their network. So you don't want the person in front of you giving you anything besides an intro to someone in their network. That's the key to networking. You give them an intro to someone in your network, they give you an intro, you guys help each other out, you're not selling to each other, there's no uh, shame and you know uh, loss of face and in, in, in saying no or you know them avoiding you now because they don't want to let you down and because you're forcing their hand, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The latest job perk is a day at the polls. Now, this is something crazy. Now, rich companies, very high profit companies, are giving people a day off and even helping them get to the polls. This should be a national holiday. Election day should be a national holiday. It must be. That's a that's a high priority for anybody. Rewriting rules for the gym. How does a curling club make it itself safe? Oh my god, people driving me nuts. Patriots give away another game. Okay. Digital voting's time has come. That's an interesting opinion. All right, all right, all right. Hong Kong lawmakers arrested. Seven pro-democracy face figures to face prosecution over May. Legislature fracas. God, the words they use sometimes here. Oh, God, this is just heartbreaking. Um, China has taken over Hong Kong ahead of its 97-year pact when it was granted independence by the British. It was not supposed to... Hong Kong was supposed to remain independent from China after the British seceded that territory for like 97 years. We're like 50 years into that or so. And they just took it over and they introduced the Chinese Communist Party introduced an extradition law that says anybody in Hong Kong, you guys can do whatever you want. But as soon as we want, we could snatch you and pull you back into mainland China for trial, which means you're disappearing and you never will be seen again. You'll end up in a determined camp, a.k.a. the millions of Uyghurs. Um, so it's happening. This is why people were protesting and singing the U.S. national anthem in Hong Kong to remain free. Pentagon withdraws defense. I mean, but who needs freedom when you have the Chinese market to sell into, right? Right, NBA? Right, LeBron James? Right? Who cares about freedom when you can make hundreds of millions of dollars selling your plastic crap to Chinese consumers? Pentagon, and this is a tough situation because this could start a 
literally a thermonuclear war. I mean, what do you do? Invade? What do you do? Put more pressure? They've become the sacrificial land that China knows, just like Russia knew they could take Crimea. It's a calculated move. We'll take this now. And because of everything else on the table, we know the U.S. and the Western allies, if you will, can't make a too big of a fuss, can't do anything to stop us because there is more at stake than the people's lives in this one place. And of course, they have no guns. They can't do anything. I mean, what do, what do they do against the Chinese People's Liberation Army? Pentagon withdraws defense attaches. Washington. The Pentagon has quietly begun withdrawing top military officers from U.S. embassies in Africa and downgrading other such posts worldwide. Move officials say it's necessary to shift resources to counter China and Russia on the geopolitical stage and meet congressional caps on the number of generals and admirals in the U.S. military. Hmm. That's interesting. The military officers have been a key part of the U.S. overseas outreach. Israel deal shakes Sudan's fragile transition. Yeah, that's wild. Oh, Sudan has some intense poverty, but their deal with, to normalize relations with Israel. You know what these people need to do? Every country that uh, seems to be Muslim majority, I'm not sure about Sudan, that just made a normalization deal with Israel. From all people, allegedly Jared Kushner. Who thought that guy was more than just the kid from the Omen growing up? I mean, he walks like a ghost, just pale and sullen eyes floating on his dainty little feet. And here he is uh, negotiating world-shaking uh, peace accords. Unbelievable. Man, talk about uh, not giving the kid any credit where credit is due. I mean, literally, he looks like a dement. Like if he touched you, like in Harry Potter, like a dementor, your soul would leave your body. Like he looks like he's not alive. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get some vitamin D, kid. Good Lord. Uh, they all need to, these countries, export, or I guess import, uh, clean tech from Israel. Israel has some of the best water technologies on earth. I mean, because insanely ingenuitive, ingenuitive, ingenious, if you will, uh, highly motivated, and they need they need to because they live in a desert. And so desalinization, smart irrigation, uh, recirculating aquaculture, like uh, aquaculture breeding, all this crazy stuff. And so they could literally, Sudan could, I'm not kidding you, terraform their entire desert geography, re territory with technology from, from Israel, forming a beautiful alliance, generating new crops to sell and export. I mean, that's like there. It's possible now. U.S. commandos rescue American held in Nigeria. I think it was SEAL Team 6, if I'm not right. Yeah, it took off the mission from Roto, Spain. I mean, could you imagine? First off, how crazy is it that if you're an American and you get lost in one of these countries, they'll, like, grown-ass men will kick in the door and grab you, take you home? That's, that's incredible. That's incredible. God bless them. Hope nobody was hurt. All right, so on to business and finance. This is some crazy stuff going on in the business world today. All right. This is my favorite. Spotify sticks by Rogan amid worker discord. If you don't know what's going on with Joe Rogan and Spotify right now, um, it's at the nexus of uh, probably some of the most important um, regulatory decisions, 
being made right now in the world. I mean, these decisions being made right now between Spotify and Joe Rogan and uh, Facebook, Twitter, and the New York Post will set the stage for media, which is, you know, arguably trillions of dollars in economic value overall for the next 50 years. I'm not kidding you when I say this. This is a really, really, really important um, precedence that's being set. So Spotify, the Dutch, Danish maybe company, the European company that uh, streams music that effectively replaced Napster's illegal peer-to-peer streaming service with a legal licensed um, uh, streaming service, the Netflix of music, and wanted to enter into podcasting. Podcasting was growing. It's still growing. It's going to hit $100 billion in revenue sometime in the next you know, 24 months here and only grow because I think radio advertisements like 30 billion it's like enormous so that's all going to come on to uh, podcasting and the problem with podcasting is there's no platform of choice it's all kind of decentralized which is interesting and it was a decision by apple early on which kind of invented or bought the original podcasting not bought but mimicked or adapt adopted the original podcasting protocols and standards and so basically the way you share a podcast is you post it to a site. It's effectively a blog for audio files, right? And when that blog has a new file, it updates a, um, a structured URL that other softwares follow or watch called an RSS feed. Blogs have them too. So when you post your podcast to a platform, it's adding it to its blog and therefore its users can view it. And then any secondary site can kind of port it or, or connect you to it. So it's, you know, so the problem is right now you got to post it to iTunes and it'll update it there on any iTunes cloud. Anyone that watches any technology that grabs them from iTunes will also then update them. Right. And then you got to, but that's not everybody. Then you got to do Android phones. And so you have to like put them all over the place. Anyway, Spotify bought a company called Anchor FM for 300 million to get into this, to get a foothold. That's what I'm recording with right now. Wonderful software, wonderful software. And so to, you know, get ahead in this game, they bought the world's most popular podcast, which is Joe Rogan's podcast, Um, comedian Joe Rogan's. And it went from tens of millions, 30 million downloads a month to uh, over a hundred after the Spotify deal. And Joe Rogan's insane, no holds bar, unfiltered. He's a, you, you, I don't know if he's a jock comic, but he's definitely, he says stuff specific. He's, he's, he's not a clean comic. He's the opposite of a clean comic. And he's like a psychonaut. He explores the psychedelic world he, and he's endlessly curious. So he gets this cross and he's, and he's legitimately, I'm a big fan. If you can't tell, he's legitimately um, responsible for, creating the podcast scene we see today by encouraging comedians and comics in LA to start their own podcast, having them on and going from every comic are fighting for one sitcom role that year or 10 sitcom slots that year to, you know, to make money to everyone starting their own podcast and generating their own audiences and then sharing audiences. So everybody grows together. So it's this really interesting thing that's been going on there his podcast led the way. He grew it. Spotify came and said, we'll give you $100 million to exclusively share your podcast with video on our network starting January 1st of next year. So they, they 
now they're being they're in between, so they're being posted elsewhere and on Spotify. January 1st will only be available on Spotify, and it's just an exclusive licensing deal, right? Well, Joe Rogan uh, is not politically correct, but he's very – he has these, like, three three-hour three, three hour podcasts a week, long-form, in-depth conversation. Like, Quibi went the opposite and failed. Joe Rogan is giving nuance and succeeding. That's an interesting case study there uh, in digital media. Now, the fact of the matter is – uh, Joe Rogan's a martial artist, uh, professional, you know, uh, martial arts coach. I mean, his in, in his past, but he's a UFC commentator, so he's like very into martial arts. He's an expert martial arts analyst. I mean, I know all I know about martial arts is from listening to these guys talk. I, I've seen like three UFC fights in my life. I know more about the UFC than I should. My point being. He had a opinion on that on his era that said you should not be allowed to transition from male to female in the UFC and then not tell anyone that you did so and then fight females because you effectively were on hormone, uh, on testosterone your whole life. Your bones are wider. They're more dense. Your hips are wider so you can kick harder and you have heavier bones so you can land stronger punches. And your shoulders are wider so you can land stronger uh, punches, punches and kicks, right? And so he said that should not be allowed. Men should not be allowed to beat the shit out of women. You should have to say you transition so the woman can decide if it's a fair fight or not, right? Just like I can't go and take testosterone before a fight. That's effectively what's going on here at the chemical level. And so this has now become transgender. That uh, men aren't allowed to beat the shit out of women is now transgender, uh, anti-transphobic, right? And then he had an uh, um, this is one of the three controversies right now. Then he had a author on who was liberal and then started researching this phenomenon amongst young girls who are transitioning to men, boys in a, a, like the prepubescent, right around puberty, the preteen teen phase uh, age, in groups. And she's saying this is not normal, that if you have six girls all deciding to transition together, that doesn't make any sense because one out of six of them would be a high probability of having some, you know what I mean? Like the, the rate is like one, uh, 3% or something, 1%. So like one out of 100 might transition, but to have six girls transition together is not real or is not valid. It's something else is going on. And these girls tend to be, according to her research, people uh, that would have otherwise been anorexic or have, you know, other, uh, you know, uh, behavioral disorders or something like that. I don't know the technical term for it. anorexia, anemia, anemia, bulimia, right? And again, oh, this is now transphobic when we're trying to protect our children and get them the care that they actually need. Are you actually transgender or is something else going on? Let's find out, right? And then that's a big deal. Oh, my God. Which you would have never heard about it if you didn't listen to his podcast. I mean, no one's going to take that chance and talk to this author. And, you know, we need to discuss. We need to find out what's the best for society. What's the best for transgender people, right? I'm sure they want to know, too. And then he had uh, – so this has caused a group of people in the Spotify office to revolt and are seemingly actively trying to sabotage the deal and get rid of him. The president, the CEO of Spotify, their stock went up 50% since the deal was announced in May. So 
He's like, hey, he's staying. If he breaks the law, he breaks the law. If he breaks our policies, he breaks our policies. Neither have been done because he's very, he's, he's a liberal. He's middle of the road too. And then he, on Spotify, the, the new shows have been coming out on Spotify. He had conspiracy theorist Alex Jones on. If you're not familiar with him, he was famously sued for libel or, or, or sued for um, suggesting that the Sandy Hook shooting was a hoax or something like that. And he went to court. He got his ass handed to him. And he, I think he's since apologized to it, like specifically, but he's like, I've made mistakes. So he has Alex Jones on. They've been friends. And Joe Rogan spends the whole podcast fact-checking him. And at the end of the podcast, Alex, and a lot of stuff he says was right, you know, but I'll get to him in a second. And then at the end of the podcast, Alex Jones is like, I need to quit this game. This this is killing me. My, my health is, and they have like a, they have like a uh, intervention. And he, Alex Jones effectively announces his retirement within a year, which should be happy, you know, make his proponents, opponents happy. Anyway, nobody listens to these conversations who hates Joe Rogan. They think he's a bro, a toxic man, and they just want to get rid of him. Meanwhile, we need to understand as a society why we have these problems. And if Alex Jones is a problem for our society, we need to understand why he exists. Why does he have 30 million viewers on his platform? He's been deplatformed from every major show, including a social media platform, including iTunes and Spotify. Right, so then they had to say, well, if you you're you're still allowed to be a guest on someone else's show if you've been banned from Spotify. Again, if you incite violence, if you incite you know hate, whatever, that's not cool. And so now there's this small group of Spotify employees who want to shut Joe Rogan down, and they need to shut up because we need to explore the nuances of life. And that means, by definition, going up out of the bounds of reasonable discord, of going, quote unquote, too far. So now we know there's the bounds. This is okay. We all agree on this. And it's not a fine line. Nobody knows, right? So these people are becoming activists in this company and are trying to derail this guy's uh show when all you have to do is not listen to him i mean the guy was fact checking alex jones non-stop what more could you want he was your uh your advocate for checking alex jones so this is a watershed moment in corporate america where censorship is not being accepted and implemented at the highest levels of a media platform, of a social media platform, which Spotify are, is not actually because they're publishing other people's content. You're not making, well, now, now it might be because user-generated content. I'm, I'm on Spotify, right? So whatever I'm saying, if I go against their terms, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this is incredible because it's the end of this insanity where 10% of your employees get to dictate the 100% of the company's policies when they should just leave or shut up and start their own company and do as they wish like enough censorship if someone says something illegal sue them sue them sue them sue them sue them take them to court there's no better route 
get into a situation where you get to go through discovery. Make him apologize, right? But making someone shut up is the most dangerous thing in the world. Because eventually you're going to make someone shut up who had something positive to say. And the people that are prone to shutting you up are people that are wielding power too flippantly. We should be listening to one another now more than ever and admitting that both sides have something of value to add to the conversation and that by virtue, both sides are not 100% right. Philosophically, it's impossible to be 100% right 100% of the time. And so the best way to gain understanding on a topic is to see it from the 100% opposing worldview. This is why debate club exists. And this is people, this is an example of, I bet you, young liberal people, social Marxists, if I'm going to take a guess, imposing their will on the masses. And it's not right. And it, and it, thank God it's not going anywhere. Thank God it's not going anywhere. Could you imagine if I couldn't talk about certain topics? Uh, on YouTube right now, you can't say certain words without getting banned. I mean, it's like getting dicey out there. <sighs> Anyway, moving on. Tech workers free to roam, put down roots in mountains. Part of the greatest transfer of wealth in American history. This is people with high wage remote work moving to uh, small towns, bringing their taxable income to the local community, putting it into local businesses. They're all going to open up shops because they can afford to and they want to invest in the community. I guarantee it. They're going to buy homes and rent them. They're going to do all sorts of stuff. It's really, really important. And then eventually they're going to start companies based out of that location. That's huge. The greatest transfer of wealth in human history is occurring right now by this mass intrastate migration, if you will. Here's a crazy one. Amazon struggles to lure luxury brands. Yeah, dude. Nobody wants to buy luxury goods on your site. It's a flea market of the lowest price. That's what's driven your growth amongst your customer acquisition is the cheapest price possible, right? So what luxury good wants to be tainted by putting up shop in a flea market effectively? What you need to do, Jeff Bezos, is start a separate brand called Amazon Lux and curate who's allowed to come in because anyone could post a product to Amazon. It devalues the perceived value it lowers the perceived value of any brand on there and it's a race to the bottom of the best price you get high volume sales low price everyone wins right it's increased the quality of life of everybody in the america who now gets access to all these more affordable goods it's great but luxury brands will not touch that you have to make a curated selection that people have to apply to enter so i can't just put my fake Gucci, you know, Lucci sunglasses on there. Startups say new H-1B visa salaries are too expensive. All right, I understand what they're saying. It's going to cost, you know, computer architect, mathematician, computer programmer, everyone has to pay, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 grand more to bring in this talent from overseas. Here's the problem, though. Companies 
ultimately here are saying they want cheaper labor. And everyone knows why you hire foreign workers. They're cheaper and they work harder. That's the truth of the matter. Everyone knows this. I don't see a lot of young white kids, young Asian kids uh, mowing lawns at 6.30 in the morning, right? Americanized kids. Like you come here, you're like, I, I want to be a lawyer. Now the top job supposedly is influencer in America. Like we got a problem with work ethic here. We have had it too good for too long. And hopefully this pandemic is, is, is realigning our, it is the greatest realignment in human history. But my point being, these startups are now pissed that they can't afford cheap foreign labor. That they come here, bring them in. Now they're stuck working for you. They have to work for you and they're going to work their asses off because if they get fired, you're sending them right back to wherever they came from. Like that's effed up, man. So instead of now, I hope what happens here, instead of paying probably the fair price, the total price of what you're, what you're doing to these people, the true cost, paying the true cost of what you're doing to these people, right? Ripping them out of their lives in their country, bringing them here, foreign land. You're going to have to spend maybe half of that difference and train up the workforce here. Sorry. Pay a fair wage. Everyone loves um, everyone loves making the world a better place in Silicon Valley until they actually have to pay for it. Right? Drone firm aims aim to ship vaccines. What? This is... A scam? <laughs> what is this? Walmart Merck team with startups on work that could boost COVID relief effort. Give me a break. Volency Inc., which raised $50 million last month, has been using unmanned planes to deliver Merck products to a clinic in North Carolina. Give me a fucking break. What is this? Uganda? North Carolina has roads. What are you talking about? A handful of drone delivery startups want to help transport COVID-19 vaccines from distribution facilities to health centers, vying for a logistical role in what is likely to be a sprawling and complex undertaking. Several of these businesses recently have entered into medical delivery partnerships with drug companies that could help position and take part in the high-profit effort to distribute COVID-19 vaccines. Give me a break. And this is under small business. Give me a break. 50, listen to me. Wall Street Journal. $50 million raising. $50 million does not make. You're not a small business anymore. $5 million, You're out of it. Oh, my God. Venture capital investors have poured $405 million into drone startups through the first nine months of this year, which is roughly on par with recent years. Give me a break. This is... This is people taking advantage of free money, aligning themselves, repositioning themselves to 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 take it on the uh, oh god, of course. Valonci raised fifty million from investors, including Lightspeed Venture Partners, in September. If I'm not mistaken, Lightspeed is the Groupon founders who themselves shouldn't have a dollar to their name for what they've done to small businesses in America, and uh, it's free money, un unfortunately. If you're in the club. It's free money. Ex-inmates struggle in banking system. Oh, that's got to suck. Oh, man. A study found Arkansas prisoners were less likely to use mainstream banks instead of turning to expensive alternatives. 
Many have bad credit scores, a hurdle in getting loans, housing jobs. Yeah, you can't even get a bank account with if your bank if your credit's too low. Which is crazy because a checking account, like you just don't give you know there's no over like what is going on? When they're out of money, they're out of money. I know you can have like a um overdraft fees, but you can also that's also often throttled if you're you know, how much has been in the bank account historically. If you've had hundreds of tens of thousands in your bank account and it goes under for X period of time, X days, hours, then that's usually because they know you're good for it. If you have low credit, just say no. The payments decline. You're at zero. The worst is you get one and then you get 50. How to, how to start, how two restaurants have survived the pandemic so far. Goose feather. Oh my God. For Chef Dale Talde, it looked like it was going to be a great year. Last September, he opened a fine dining restaurant, Goose Feather, in New York's Hudson River Valley, and it was a smash. Fans of Mr. Talde, who rose to fame on Top Chef, sought out the restaurant for its Hong Kong-inspired fare, signature cocktails, and hip ambiance. Mr. Talde projected that his sales would rise by $300,000 each month. Are you kidding me? Small Business Journal report? No! Between March and September of this year, sales at eating and drinking establishments plunged 26%. Yes, I'm in this industry, I understand. Oh my God. Like, dude, even in the small business section of the Wall Street Journal, they're talking to people that are projecting $300,000 increases in their, like, what kind of restaurant outside of the New York bubble, fine dining bubble, could ever imagine those numbers? Give me a break. Oh, God. The tale of two restaurants. Who's the other restaurant? $30 per entree at Goose Feather. Profit margin at about 10% for a restaurant, dude. That is so high. Who's the other one here? Hanger B, a restaurant in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Okay. Depends on spring break. Okay. Each about, went from four dining rooms, each about 600 square feet to 8,000 square feet outside. For the past decade, revenue has been fairly steady at just under $700,000. Good God. Wall Street Journal. If you could redo college. Deal making. I wish I'd taken courses in deal structures. How do you move forward so you don't just end up reliving the same problems? Better learn what impacts decision and how to better understand what is going on in customers' minds. Constantly having to go and hire developers to fix something that is frankly quite easy, and yet I just don't have the tool set to do it myself. It would be help. It would have helped me quite a lot with marketing, creating some of my own content, and working on building my brand. What is this? People that say they would go back for different to colleges for oh, entrepreneurs to close disclose which courses courses they wish they had taken. 
deal making, managerial psychology, consumer psychology, coding, creative writing, communications, financial management, none. I really do feel that just getting into it and doing it is the best way to learn, he says. I agree with that. The best books for budding entrepreneurs. Bro, if you haven't invented anything, you're not an entrepreneur, okay? You're a business person. Get over it. A platform for some, I mean, because entrepreneurs think they need venture capital to scale their company. And for everybody not reading the Wall Street Journal, you don't have access to venture capital. Forget it. Start a business, a company, get partners. Like, no book by Ben Horowitz is going to help you. This is this is for the Wall Street crowd who has access to venture capital and wants to know how to scale companies.